Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also you can read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, We're going to start off with the John Gruden scandal. Um, This whole thing started when the Wall Street Journal uh, leaked the emails that um, Gruden had sent about NFL PA Executive Director Demore Smith, in which he used uh, racially charged language uh, that disparaged Smith's appearance and intellect. To me, the timing was curious because later that day, Smith was up for re-election as the union head of NFL PA. So timing very suspicious to me. Now, that was just tip of the iceberg. On Monday... Um, the New York Times uh, disclosed some emails that, from dating back, ranging from 2011 to 2018, prior to Gruden becoming the Raiders' head coach, primarily involving communications with former Washington football team president Bruce Allen, where Gruden used racist, misogynistic, and homo- homophobic language. In the emails, Gruden's just collateral damage in the NFL's investigation into Daniel Snyder, the Washington football team owner, and the wor- and his workplace environment. That being said, uh, Gruden's uh, emails were shocking because he was an equal opportunity offender. And I would love to have seen all the responses to everyone on the emails, but I don't think we're, we're going to see that. And his comments would have made uh, Archie Bunker proud. Now, Gruden quickly resigned once that went public. And one of the ironies is that the Raiders organization has been on the forefront of progress in NFL history, particularly under under the uh, late Al Davis, hired the first black head coach, Art Schell, most successful Hispanic coach early early on in getting a Hispanic coach, Tom Flores, at highest-ranking female executive for team, Amy Trask. Now, I do not believe that there aren't any other derogatory, inflammatory comments in the other 650,000 emails that were part of the investigation. I'm not buying that. But Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. Uh, the thing was reportedly backloaded, so we don't know exactly how much was in the first few years. He was in year four, and the whole thing wasn't fully guaranteed. 
reportedly 40 million is what's left on the guaranteed compensation. Um, and it's hard to see if there would have been a way forward for Gruden as head coach after all this stuff came out, considering the league is same percent black. I don't know the exact percentage of black players on the Raiders. And he has the first openly gay player in the NFL defensive end Carl Nassib playing for him, who took a personal day late last week uh, to process all this stuff. So uh, Gruden promptly resigned, or quickly resigned. Now, I would have thought that um, his agent, Bob Lamont, who is a seasoned uh, coaching agent, would have negotiated a settlement on his way out the door. For those of you who don't know, Bob Lamont got a start um, representing Mike Holmgren and has become one of the more prominent uh, broadcasting and coaching agents in the NFL. Uh, represents the whole Mike uh, Holmgren coaching tree and has gotten a whole bunch of other clients uh, from that initial first client. Apparently, there are going to be some sort of uh, settlement agreements uh, to see how much of the $40 million that Gruden gets. Typically, in a coaching contract, the money is guaranteed. Uh, this was the richest contract on sheer dollar amount in NFL history, so the whole thing wasn't fully guaranteed, and the coach gets the money if he's fired unless terminated by cost. So whether Mark Davis would have fired him for cause would depend on what the language in the contract was for the provisions for termination for cause. But given his comment, uh, when asked about Gruden's resignation, which was asked the NFL, they have all the answers, <laughs> that kind of suggests to me that maybe this is going to be a lenient settlement. But typically in a coaching contract, you could have some sort of language that if you engage in any conduct or commit any act that... Uh, brings a team, and this will apply to college coaching contracts as well, the university into public disrespute, contempt, embarrassment, scandal, or whatever that negatively impacts the reputation of the club or in the case of a college or school, that that could be for cause termination. And that could factor into how much of the settlement. If we get gets 25%, 50%, or 75% of the remaining guaranteed money, and we may never know um, publicly how much uh, of the settlement. I'm just surprised it didn't happen before the resignation. Um, because if you walk away from a contract, you could be entitled to nothing. The one thing that I think would still would have happened if Gruden had been working for ESPN, all this stuff came out, he's probably going to be taken off the air for Monday Night Broadcast as well and wouldn't have a job at ESPN. Some people have thought some of the cancellations of Gruden have gone too far and have pointed to Brian Glazer, one of the owners of the Bucks, removing from the from the uh, Bucks ring, uh, ring of Honor. Well, when you make a disparaging comment, basically suggesting to Bruce Allen, tell him, tell Glazer to blow me. <laughs> yeah, he's going to take that personally. So, yeah, he might want he might end up taking you out of the Ring of Honor <laughs> for that. Now. From the endorsement contracts, like Skechers terminate the endorsement contract, that gets back to the forecast termination thing. Because in endorsement contracts, there's usually some sort of morals clause. 
And for some of you who don't know, when I used to be an agent, I got started working for Leonard Armato, who was uh, Shaq's agent. And one of the things he had me do for Shaq was create a standard terms and conditions for which was non-negotiable for all um, our endorsement contracts with Shaq. And these morals clauses can be pretty broad. Pretty broad. Um, could be as broad as shocks or offends community standards, which would give the team, which would give a company the right to uh, terminate a contract. Now with Shaq's it was conviction of a felony. And there are a lot of things you could do which could paint a company in a bad light publicly, which falls short of conviction of a felony, which you had in Shaq's. But I'd imagine Gruden's is more like, obviously, everybody else's, where you hit this broad language. So that's getting um, terminated. Now, best thing for Gruden to do is probably lay low, disappear from the public for an extended period of time, let all this die down. I can't imagine he's going to be a head coach in the NFL or college again. But it would not surprise me if some team quietly hired him as a consultant where it's not disclosed publicly and he's working with the uh, head coach or the front office in some capacity on a consultant basis, or does that for multiple clubs? Now, I had players who played for Gruden um, in Tampa and in Oakland um, when the Raiders were up up in the Bay Area, and I never had any of them at least tell me that Gruden was a racist, but one thing that they quickly (laughs) determined was he would tell you what what you wanted to hear and wasn't necessarily truthful, so after a while, they just thought he was full of it and thought he was dishonest. Um, and one thing that they did say, the ones who were free agents and were talked to him in the recruiting process, this man could sell ice to Eskimos. But I don't really don't think John Gruden had any choice but to resign. Um, it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard for him to go forward. Uh, given everything he said and the broad group of people that he offended in those emails. Now, I'd love to see the other emails released. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but he's collateral damage, sacrificial lamb to me in something which didn't have anything to do with him when he was employed by an NFL club, but he's being held accountable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, Friday, we had a trade. Um, Zach Ertz uh, went from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Cardinals had a needed tight end because Max uh, Williams tore his ACL. Well, not tore, I don't know, uh, had a serious knee injury, had a season-ending knee injury um, in their last game. Ertz was scheduled, it was making $8.5 million, so for Philadelphia, they Paid him $2,833,333 um, for this year. 
and couple that with the bonus proration, they're left with $7,054,883 of dead money. Um, next, you're going to have $3.548 million of dead money as a cap charge for Ertz because of voiding 22 and 2023 contract years. The um, Eagles gave up a, got a 2022 fifth round pick and Tay Gowan, a uh, corner who was a sixth round pick of the uh, Cardinals uh, this year um, to get Ertz. Now, Cardinals only had about $2.8 million of cap space uh, before the transaction. So when you remove Gowan from the books, at Ertz, they need about 5-2 total of cap space. So you have to restructure a contract, and the guy that makes the most sense, the guy with the biggest cap number on the team is DJ Humphreys, uh, cap number of $19,937,425. He makes the most sense to restructure a contract, have enough cap room to absorb the $5,667,660 Five, I should say $5,666,667. That's a mouthful uh, salary that they're going to be paying um, Ertz. That's the remainder of his uh, 2021 salary. He's not taking a pay cut to fit him in. So um, this is probably long, it was long overdue. They probably should have traded Ertz during the offseason because they have Dallas Goddard waiting in the wings who actually been playing more than Ertz in their timeshare at tight end, which neither guy was probably happy about. Goddard, in particular, um, 2018 second-round pick. That was about four years younger than um, Ertz. So it made sense that if they were going to go forward with one tight end, it was going to be uh, Goddard um, and not Ertz. He should, have, he should put up the best numbers of his career now if Ertz out of the picture that – one thing why it didn't make sense that both these guys are still around is Nick Sirianni doesn't run as much 12 personnel or two tight end sets as his predecessor Doug Peterson did. So having Goddard get the bulk of the snaps at tight end now, and Goddard missed the last game Thursday night against the uh, Buccaneers of COVID, and Ertz's play time was the highest it's been all year. It was like 90%. So you're, you're probably going to see Goddard on the field that amount that alone is going to give him an opportunity to put up uh, much better numbers than he was splitting time. The Eagles had cut off contract negotiations with him um, when Ertz wasn't traded in the offseason and reported to training camp. To me, this deal is going to make him one of the five highest paid tight ends in the NFL if it gets done um, before the end of the season. To me, the floor is Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, $12.5 million per year. They both got in free agency to go to the uh, Patriots. $25 million guarantees for Hunter Henry, $31.25 million guarantees for Jonu Smith. And the ceiling's probably Mark Edwards, $14 million per year from the Ravens right before the start of the regular season. Shade under 37.6 and guarantees just over $30 million fully guaranteed at signing. So you probably it shouldn't be that hard of a deal to do to me, because that's kind of the going rate for a young tight end who you expect to be one of the upper upper echelon tight ends in the NFL. So we'll see if the Eagles get a deal done uh, before the end of the regular season with Dallas Goddard. 
now that we are in week six and after the conclusion of these games on Sunday, uh, players who were put on PUP at the roster cutdown, for the most part, will be eligible to uh, come off that list. Now, how that works is on the sixth calendar day prior to the seventh regular season game, and that includes any bye week, um, clubs are permitted to begin practicing players who are put on the reserve physically, physically unable to perform list at the roster cut down. And if they start the practice period, then it's a 21-day window uh, for them to activate them to the 50-man roster. And uh, on the day after the conclusion of the 21-day period, they either have to be activated or stay on um, PUP. Now, for teams that have a bye week, this week, the Falcons, the Saints, the Jets, and the 49ers, they can't bring anyone off of PUP for Week 7's games. It'll have to be for Week 8. So that's going to affect uh, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas cannot play in Week 7, but can play in Week 8. He's on Saints PUP for his delayed ankle surgery. What this means is... Um, David Bakhtiari from the uh, Green Bay Packers is eligible to come off PUP and could play next week. He suffered a torn left ACL in a practice uh, at the end of the regular season. Stephon Gilmore, who was recently traded from the uh, Patriots to the Panthers, will be eligible to come off PUP for Week 7's games. Now, these two guys are losing money while they're on PUP because they have these per-game roster bonuses in their contract, which is an agent I hated um, because I'd rather have them base salary and you get the money regardless. But each game you're not on the active roster, you don't get the designated amount per game. For um, Bakhtiari, it's a little under $35,300 per game. So if he comes off at the earliest possible time, it's he's out $211,765. Uh, Gilmore's has 500000 per game roster bonuses for the season. That works out to just over 29400 per game. So he'd be out $176,471 if he can come off for week seven. And he's, he's on PUP because of uh, recovering from the surgery for the partially torn quad he had late last season. Now there's one other quirk with the PUP that can affect um, some other players. Now, if you are put on PUP, you get paid your full salary. And your contr- if you're in the last year of your contract, your contract will toll in specific instances. If you are not able to physically perform football services as of the sixth regular season game and you are not put on the 53-man roster in the regular season or postseason, then your contract will toll. So that means if you're put on PUP in a contract year, they don't activate you at all this year, you won't be free. You're repeating your contract year. Now, that's only going to affect a handful of guys. Most notably, uh, Tavarius Moore of the San Francisco 49ers. He tore his Achilles in OTAs in June. Um, 2018 third-round pick. May have pushed to be uh, starting safety this year. 
scheduled to make $920,000 this year. So if he doesn't come off PUP at all this season, then Moore is not going to be an unrestricted free agent. He will be repeating the last year of his contract. And since he is playing for league minimum of $920,000 this year, the league minimum next year would, for him would be 965, I believe, because you don't get um, a credit season for salary purposes when you're on PUP on the 50-man roster. So he would be making $965,000 next year and still be under contract as opposed to being an unrestricted free agent. Uh, David Bakhtiari, multiple years in a contract, so if he's never activated, the whole tolling thing doesn't apply to him. Stephon Gilmore will be activated, so he's in the final year of his contract, so tolling's not going to apply to him. Michael Thomas is not in a contract year, so if he's not activated, Saints need him at wide receiver. The tolling would not apply to him. only applies to people in the final year of your contract. If you're on PUP, final year of your contract, never come off that season aren't activated your contract tolls so you repeat the final year of your contract now the final thing for this week is Derrick Henry's historic workload Um, through the first five games of this season um, Derrick Henry the Titans jumbo size running back at 6 foot 3 247 pounds is leading the league with 142 carries and 600 rushing yards. He is averaging 28.4 carries per game. Through the first five games in NFL history, only one person has had more carries than Derrick Henry through five games. That was O.J. Simpson in 1975. Yes, that O.J. Simpson. And no one's had more touches than Henry. Combined rushing attempts and receptions, He's got 156 in four games. To show you how extreme his usage is, Alvin um, Kamara is second in the NFL in carries. He's got 48 fewer than um, through five games than Henry. He's got 94. And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who are arguably the NFL's best uh, running back tandem, the other tandem that could make a strong case would be Ezekiel and Tony Pollard. Chubb and Hunt have 145 carries. That is three more than than Henry. This is just insane usage. Now, if he sustains this usage rate, he's going to obliterate the NFL record, single-season record for carries in a season. And he would do it before you get to the 17th game. The record is Larry Johnson in 2016. Um, 2006, he had 416 carries, but Henry's current pace, he's going to have 483 rushing attempts. And at his rate, he'd get the record in the 15th game. Now, if he keeps up the pace he's on, he's going to break every single season record um, as well. Um, In terms of rushing yards, the record is Eric Dickerson at 2,105 from 1984. Um, Henry's on pace for 2,176. Chris Johnson set the record for yards from scrimmage with the Titans in 2009, 2,509. 
Henry's on pace for 2,601. His 530 touches would be more than James Wilder's record of 492 from 1984. Now, this workload you would think would be unsustainable. <laughs> and it, 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 it's just mind-boggling to me. Now, for Henry's sake, hopefully they end up clinching the AFC South early, heading into a Week 6 contest. And the Titans play um, – the Bills on Monday night, who have a very tough run defense, so um, maybe they'll open, open up the passing game a little bit more um, with Julio Jones returning from a hamstring injury, so they have both their starting receivers uh, back. Um, but hopefully they clinch early. They're the only team heading into Week 5 of a winning record in the AFC South. They were the AFC South champions last year. They're 3-2. and two. The Colts are the only seriously serious contender. They're at 1-4 and four to challenge them. So if they could clinch early, then the usage rate would go down. Or if it could kind of mirror what happened with O.J. Simpson in 75. He was at 30.4 carries the first five games and then dropped down to 19.7 for the rest of the season. Back then, they only played 14 games. Now, if Henry sustains his pace, he'd become the first back to ever have two 2,000-yard seasons. He was the eighth to do it last year. Nobody's ever done it back-to-back. In fact, after you have a 2,000-yard season, nobody's ever gotten to 1,500 yards. Um, Barry Sanders got to 1,491 uh, in what turned out to be the final year of his career in 1997 when he he retired when he was 30. Barring injury, Henry's going to easily go over uh, 1,500. We'll see. And the extra game should make it easier for him to, to uh, accumulate more yardage. But... 400 carries seems like it's going to be inevitable as long as he stays healthy. And you've only had that done um, a handful of times um, in NFL history. You had five guys who had seasons of 400 carries or more. And (laughs) they have long careers, particularly, or long effective careers after that. You've got Larry Johnson, 416, Jamal Anderson had 410 in 1998. James Wilder, 407 in 1984. Eric Dickerson, 404 in 1986. Eddie George, 403 in 2000. Now, you've only had two guys who've had consecutive seasons of 375 carries or more. And Henry had 378 last year. Uh, Ricky Williams in 2002 and three had 383 carries and 390 two for 775 over a two-year period. Eric Dickerson, the first two years of his career, had 390 and 300, and then 379 for 769. So Henry's going to have the most usage in a two-year span um, than any back in history, uh, the way things are going. Now, his, he's under contract uh, through the 2023 season. Um, as a franchise player last year, he signed a five-year, $50 million, four-year, $50 million contract, averaging $2.5 million per year for another million dollars in incentives to bring the total of $51 million. He's in note, he's, he's making $12 million in 2022 and 12.5 million in 2023. But at some point at this rate, unless he's just indestructible, diminishing returns are going to set in. And... If you look at how these guys did after the 400-carry season, an average of 1.4 thousand-yard seasons after, and an average of 
basically 870 carries for the rest of their career. Uh, long running backs have a shorter shelf life than than most other positions, and with the workload that the Titans are given, Henry, I don't expect him to have another lucrative contract in him. He'd have to be a freak of nature to keep producing come 2023, and then at some point you think the wheels are going to fall off. But the guy that he would mo- the Titans probably wanted to most be is a follow the career of Eric Dickerson. All these guys, when they did this, were roughly the same age. He's 27, turns 28 in January. Their average age was 26.4, either 26 or 27. But after the 400 carry season Dickerson had, he was um, he had three 1,000-yard seasons after that. Um, led the league in rushing um, two years after his 400 carry season. He had 388 carries that season. The first season after was a strike-shortened season. He had replacement players in some of the games, but he was averaging his, his workload didn't really drop much. 23.6 carries uh, that season. Then in 88, he had 24.3. Then his last truly effective season was the next year when still he was over uh, 1,000 yards in his uh, final um, season, 4,000 yards. He was third in the NFL in rushing. Um in 1989 at the age of 29. So they really want to maintain that Eric Dickerson trajectory. So if they get the next two years after this one out of him that are really great, then that contract expires and they should probably be looking to move on um, at that point in time because it is just remarkable (laughs) the usage and the fact that he's only missed one game since he started winning rushing titles. Um, he's won, won the last two, and now it's because of a hamstring injury. The durability has been amazing, um, but he's the size of, bigger than most linebackers. But I uh, hope it works out for um, Derrick Henry. He's facing a ton of stacked fronts, eight-man fronts, 41.5% according to uh, NFL's Next Generation stats. His yards per carrier down this year averaged uh, 5.4 last year. When he's fourth in the NFL among running backs, he's at 4-5 this year so far. And the crazy thing is his workload has increased through the final quarter of the season past couple of years. So we really don't need that to be the case for him. Derrick Henry hopefully stays healthy, knock on wood, and defies all odds and be, and is the outlier or anomaly at running back. So this is one I'm just interested in because it's just fascinating to me because <laughs> – in a league which is so pass-happy and has been trending that way for 10, 15 years, for them to use him like they are, you you think it was the 1970s or, or, or 1980s. So I wish him the best of luck in avoiding injury and hopefully he can keep on trucking along like Eric Dickerson or become the new standard for what a running back can do with uh, excessive wear and tear. Well, that's going to be it. Uh, it going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Um, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my CBSSports.com column, um, Agent's Take. And we'll see you back here next time.